Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. You guys, another very good morning to you. I actually have the privilege of um, starting out a new series. But how many of you have been blessed by uh, the solid theme that we have going on in 2020? Anyone been blessed by that? A few, like five of you have. Anyone been blessed by solid? Yeah, okay. You know, I have been convicted. I have been confronted. The Holy Spirit has been dealing on some, uh, with some things inside of me. But we, we just finished Who's in Charge, and that was a great series about lordship, about if we really love God, then we, uh, we allow him to be the Lord of our lives. But today, I have the honor of starting out a new series. How about you turn to somebody next to you and tell them 180? Turn to somebody else, tell them 180. And if you're um, mathematically challenged like me, um, 180 means the complete opposite direction, right? So 90 degrees is just one way, 180 is a whole. Before I would think 360 was the opposite, and it was really weird because I would do a 360 and I'm back in the same direction. So um, I know you guys are smarter than me, so don't you worry about that. The series is 180, and today, uh, you can follow along in the outline in your bulletin, but the title of my message for you guys today is Positioned for Encounters. Positioned for Encounters. But before we dive into this, um, there has been one sentence that we have said every week since we started 2020. And most of you that have been here, uh, you could probably say it before I've even mentioned anything because you know it's coming. And if you haven't, if this is your first time, it's super easy. Don't worry. Uh, I'm going to have the guys put it on the screen for us, and then we're going to all read it together, okay? And this has been something that we've been saying as a church. We can do this. Is it there? Practicing? Hey, there we go. And so we've been saying this over and over again because the reality of this sentence could change your life. Amen? Amen. If, if we really grab a hold of this, that we could practice God's word and it will make us strong, your walk with God, your life with God could be radically transformed today. So I'm going to count down from three. I'm going to go three, two, one, and then we're going to all say this together. Okay, can we do that? Yeah. It's not going to be that awkward pause where no one talks and it's just me. No? Okay, I need your help today, please. All right? Three, two, one. Practicing God's word makes me strong. Excellent. Let's do it one more time. Three, two, one. Practicing God's word makes me strong. How about you turn to somebody and say, you're strong. Turn to somebody else and tell them, you look strong today. So like I said, the title of the message today is Positioned for encounters positioned for encounters and you know I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this message and um, just thinking about what God wanted to speak to us today and I began to think about what it was like when I first encountered Jesus when I first met him and he transformed my life and you know I don't believe that anybody most people that truly give their lives to Jesus desire to live their Christian life as nominal as lukewarm surviving spiritually from Sunday to Sunday, from experience to experience, constantly living with, with uh, you know, sin issues and struggles, feeling behind the ball all the time. I don't believe that when somebody encounters God, that that's the life that they want to live. 
You know, and I was, I was laughing last week because Pastor RJ, our college pastor, talked about how he tried to negotiate with God to be like a 70% Christian. And so, you know, I don't think most people uh, want to do that. And as I began to think about even my life, you know, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. Um, and, you know, I was the most punk, religious little kid that you could have imagined. You know, I thought I was better than everybody because, oh, my daddy's a preacher and I go to church, you know. I was so lost. I was so deceived. But my senior year in high school, when I encountered Jesus and he changed my life and I repented of my sin and I turned to him, something inside of me shifted. I didn't want to be that religious punk any longer, but I wanted to be used by God. Everything inside of me wanted God to use me and not just in a normal whatever way, but I wanted to be used in a special way. I wanted to be used in a radical way. When I got born again, I had an insatiable hunger to encounter God. Religion wasn't good enough. Religion didn't satisfy. Going to church wasn't it. I wanted to daily have palpable encounters with God. I wanted to be shook. I wanted to be transformed. I didn't want church as usual. Any chance there was an altar call, I was there. Any chance somebody could lay hands on me and prophesy, I was there. Not because I'm the picture of what it means to be a Christian. Ask my wife, I am not. <laughs> but because the, I was gripped with the reality that heaven can invade my life and I can be used. I had tasted religion and it wasn't, it wasn't a good taste. And I didn't want it anymore. And I believe that many of you here today, you feel the same way that I did. I believe that some of you here want to encounter God and be used by God radically. Do I have any radical people out there? Are there any, any of you radical people? How about you turn to your neighbor, and I'm going to have you talk a lot today because that's fun. Turn to your neighbor and say in your most uh, surfer dude bra voice, radical dude. That was good. Wow, that was awesome. radical and so I found as I've been following Jesus um, since then and um, if you don't know me by the way my name's Caleb my wife and I are the youth pastors here at Encounter Church and um, I found to live this life of radical encounter with God of being used radically you know I needed to have radical repentance in my life and, you know, repentance kind of gets a bad rap nowadays. You know what I mean? It's like, repent, and, and, and you think it's a bad thing. But repentance is a gift. Because literally, repentance literally means I'm going this direction, and then I decide, wait a second, I don't want to go towards hell and fiery lake of fire. No, how about I go towards God and life with him? That is repentance. The decision to turn is repentance. And when you go from one direction to a complete opposite direction, what is that? 180. Ah, you guys are awesome. That's the, hence the title of the series, 180. And I want to read a couple of scriptures to you so you can get an idea that I'm not just making this up, that repentance requires a change in us. Matthew 3, 2. Matthew 3, 2. It says, repent of your sins and turn. Let's do it again. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And now Acts 3, 19. Now repent of your sins and... You guys are so good. To God, so that your sins may be wiped away. 
It doesn't say, now feel bad for your sins and continue living your same lifestyle. Right? I didn't read that. Maybe it's my version. I don't know. But it says, now repent of your sins and turn. And something I was, I was talking to our equippers, our uh, equip people. We have an equip course on Friday nights, and we're learning how to be even better uh, disciple makers. Do I have any of my equip people? Any of my purple book, purple people? Hey! So I was talking to my purple people in the equip class, and we were talking about this. You know what? Um, our, our society, our culture, we've, we have become so afraid of offending anybody that we have convinced people and we have conveyed a gospel that says, if you only believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. And you know, I mean, we, I'm not going to go into that fully, you know, today, but I mean, the Bible literally says even the demons believe in Jesus. So, you know, even the demons believe. But this is what it says here. Now repent of your sins and turn. The whole gospel, the real gospel, the true gospel, the only gospel says we have to repent. And repentance means turning. You can believe till you're blue in the face and, and believe your way to hell. But until I repent and there is a, a palpable change in my life, I haven't repented. Repentance is more than feeling bad. And you know, I talked about how I was a religious punk. You know, I, I went to every single youth camp, church service, special speaker there was. I did it all, man. Seasoned veteran. Any, any church seasoned veterans here? Anyone? Okay. And so, you know, I went to all of those things. And every time I was in the presence of God, I would feel conviction. You know, God would tell me, Caleb, I want you to stop looking at that. Stop thinking that. Stop saying that. Stop living your life like this. I don't want you to live that way because if you live that way, you're going to live your way straight into hell. And every time I would feel bad for my sin, but there was never a change. One time I literally went to this camp in junior year of high school. I went to this camp and God touched me and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a Christian now. I'm going to do it. For real, I'm going to do it. So I went over to my friend's house and you know, right afterwards and they were smoking and I was smoking with them. And I was like, guys, guess what? I'm going to be a Christian now. And they're like, dude, that's sweet. Like, do you want this? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, the Bible doesn't say that I can't. So, you know, I'm smoking with these guys saying I wanted to be a Christian. How long did that last? One day. One day. I felt bad, but there was no change in my life. Because repentance demands change. The gospel demands something of us. The gospel isn't believe in Jesus and you'll, all of your life will be fine. You'll experience blessings. You'll be a nice person and everything will go well for you. No, the gospel is because of our sin, we were separated from a perfect, loving God. But he is so perfect and loving that in order to get us back to himself, he decided that he would die in our place. And the only, the only correct response to that reality of the cross is repentance. The only acceptable response in the face of the cross, in the reality that Jesus gave everything, he bled his whole body dry for me in my place, the only acceptable response isn't, I believe in you now, God. I mentally acknowledge that you are Lord and continue living a lifestyle that leads me to hell. No. 
The gospel demands. Because you gave everything, I'm going to do a 180. I'm not going to start living that way any longer. But I'm going to put, the Bible says, put my hand to the plow and not look back. Because that life is nothing for me any longer. That's the gospel. It demands something of us. Repent and turn. And you know, I was thinking about, um, so this week, uh, this past Tuesday actually, it was this past Tuesday, I was preparing for this message. And um, you know, Bree and I both work full-time jobs apart from what we do for church. And so I was, you know, I needed to take some time to work on this, to work on my equipped teaching. And so I was like, you know what, man? Like, I mean, we have almost a three-month-old now, so I was like, I deserve a day off. I'm going to take that PTO. And I took that PTO. And I had, a, I had a Tuesday. It was planned out to perfection. I was so excited. That morning, I was going to take a hike up Red Top Mountain. And, you know, I love my son, but no son. I love my wife, no wife, just me. Just me, no emails, no phones, no Instagram, no bleep, 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 nothing. None of those little notifications going off, nothing. Just me, God, and a mountain. And, um, and so it was a mountain, you know, Bree and I have hiked there a number of times, but that was like two years ago, you know. And so uh, I was up there, and, and the mountain, is, it's a two-mile trek. I mean, we're not talking like tons of things, you know. I'm not in the best shape. I'm rocking some dad bod here. And so um, I was like, let's do a small one. Not, not bite off more than I can chew. And you go up the right side of the mountain and, you know, go up to the top. There's a really cool overlook. You can see, you know, the, the Appalachian. You can see everything. It's super, you know, pretty. And you come back down the left side and you just go right back down the mountain to where you parked. Easy. Easy. So I go up the right side. I make it up. It was actually really cool because Tuesday, if you remember, it was super foggy. And so, like, I get up to the top in the fog and I, there's no, I can't see anything, but I'm literally sitting there in fog. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. God begins to speak to me. You know, he's like changing my heart. And I'm like crying. I'm like, oh, you know, on this mountain alone. And, you know, everything is great. And so I come back down the left side because I'm like, okay, I'm going to 30 minutes, get to my car, get home, shower, come to the church. And I'm going to work on these messages. I'm going to knock it out. Super effective day. And I think I deserve myself some Zaxby's on the way home. All right. Yeah. And so, wings and things, son. Yeah. Hey. And so, I come down the left side, and, and you know, I, anybody here, like, directionally challenged? You know, anybody? Okay, I did not think I was. And here I am going, and I'm like, okay, all I need to do is go to the left, and it'll take me down. You know, it's only like half a mile, a mile maybe, left in the trail. You know, I hit a whole mile, and it kind of keeps on stretching, Keep going. I'm like, well, maybe it's longer than I remember. Keep going. It's still going. I like hit two miles, and I'm like, okay, I don't remember it being this long, but I keep going. You know, keep going. And lo and behold, I took four or five extra miles because I parked at the west entrance, and this I walked. I like I hiked all the way to the east entrance before I realized four and a half, five miles in. Oh snap! I went the wrong way. And so here I am, like five, you know, four or five miles this way. I come to the east entrance. You know, my feet are worn out. I'm like, done, man. I don't want this any longer. And so in my mind, literally the Holy Spirit told me, like, go to the east entrance, like the east parking area, ask somebody to help you. It's like, nah, I got this. Anybody like that? Anybody? Am I just me? No, I was like, no, nah, I got this. You know, and I keep walking. I'm like, okay, I see another entrance coming up, and probably there's going to be a trail directly to the west entrance. I know it. 
easy. I mean, duh, why wouldn't they do that? And so, you know, I keep going. And then literally, as I'm like a mile, half a mile away from the east entrance, one of the guys that services um, the park drives up. He's blasting worship music. And I'm like, I mean, this guy would have given me a ride because he loves Jesus, obviously. You know, and here I am half a mile down and he's already leaving. So I was like, there's no chance. Again, the Holy Spirit was like, turn around. And I'm like, no, I'll just keep going. I got this. And I went like another mile before I got to another entrance that was a completely different trail than the one I started on. Guys. And so I look at, you know, I pull up Google Maps, you know, all savvy. And I'm like, okay, is there any way there's no trails? The only way to get back to my car is to hike the whole thing back. And you know what I did? Called an Uber. <laughs> Called an Uber. I was like, you know what? I am not doing that. <laughs> nope. This guy came and picked me up, and he was like, yeah, you took the wrong trail. I'm like, yeah, man. He's like, oh, cool. So, you know, let's just sit in awkward shame and silence right now. Let's just, you know. Here I am with my boots trying to be all super, like, outdoor man, and I'm like, yeah, let's just, let's go, whatever. And, and so this, this leads me into it. You know, the Holy Spirit invited me to repent. And did I mentally understand what he was telling me to do? Show enough. Did I do it? No. Did I make it to my car? No. And see, that is what repentance is. Don't be like me. When he tells you to turn around, turn around. Do the 180. Because repentance is a change of direction. It demands something of you. And I believe today the Holy Spirit wants to encounter us. And he wants to reveal how a lifestyle of radical repentance positions us for radical encounters with the living God. Are you guys ready? Okay, let me get my timer because I could talk your ear off forever and uh, we all want to eat at some point. Mm -hmm. So one person in the Bible in specific that we see this reality in very evidently is a guy named Daniel. Anyone know Daniel? Anyone familiar with Daniel? Daniel was a radical guy. Uh, Daniel was thrown into a lion's den, was not eaten because he, he would not pray to an idol in an idolatrous culture, and he lived. Uh, Daniel chose to be obedient to the word of God and not eat the certain foods that the king was trying to give him, and he went on this crazy fast, uh, named after him, Daniel Fast, and um, instead of like you know, like supernaturally, he actually was more healthy because he was choosing to be obedient to the word of God. Multiple occasions, Daniel stood for what was godly and true in an ungodly, idolatrous, wicked culture. I mean, he, he stood before kings and would tell them no. And you don't do that in that time. Literally, like one of the kings was like, how about you erect like a 75-foot sharpened pole and impale a dude on it? I mean, isn't it easier to just be like, you know... Stab him. No, 75-foot sharpened pole. These guys were crazy. But Daniel would stand before him and say no, because the word of God told him not to. He was a radical guy. Daniel did not live a normal, nominal Christian life. But not only did Daniel have radical favor, but he had radical encounters with God because of his lifestyle of repentance. And so we're about to read a chapter... It's out of Daniel 9. Uh, it's a prayer that Daniel is praying. And I want you to see something in this um, about radical repentance. And so um, can you fasten your seatbelts? Because this is, this is a good one. But we're going to bear through about 16 verses. Are you ready? How about you just grab your seatbelt and just click it in there. Okay? Excellent. Daniel 9, starting in verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. 
Can you say confessed? Oh, Lord, you are great and awesome, God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. Does this sound like a, a righteous person prayer? Anybody? It sounds like a, a repenting prayer to me. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned. Can you say sinned? Sin. And are full of wickedness. In view of all of your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay, oh, my God, for your people in your city bear your name. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. You know, Daniel was repenting and confessing, and something struck me. This, this is nine chapters into Daniel. He's already been thrown into a lion's den. He's already stood against these kings. He's already a radical follower of God. But then here he is in chapter nine, confessing his sin as if it was his own fault that the Israelites were pulled out of their land. And many of us know it wasn't just Daniel's fault. The whole nation had sinned against God. But here is Daniel. And you know, something that we can learn from Daniel here, he, he wasn't shifting blame Anyone good at shifting blame? I am. You know, it's like, oh, well, if they hadn't said that, I wouldn't have responded that way. I mean, if, if they hadn't given me that, 
that look, I wouldn't have said anything. I mean, it's their fault. Obviously, God, if my spouse would just listen to you, I wouldn't be angry with them all the time. If my kids would just obey, like the word says, I wouldn't get on them all the time. You know, we think of all of these ways we can shirk responsibility. Daniel wasn't praying, oh God, it's all of Israel's fault, but here I am languishing and being punished because of their sin. No, he's saying, God, you know what? I know I'm not perfect. I've messed up. And guess what? We all have messed up. But Lord, forgive. Lord, have mercy. Daniel took ownership for the sin of himself and the people of Israel. Is that not radical repentance? Daniel was praying this as someone who was not far from God. And one other thing we can learn from this, guys. You know what? We never graduate from repentance. Maybe you've been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. Guess what? There are still things to repent of. Repentance, whether for the first time, whether today you, you've never appropriately responded to the gospel and repented of your sin and turned from, from sin and the devil and the world to, to God, or you've repented and this is the millionth time that you would repent. Repentance is for everyone. And an example of this is... Um, you know, my son, J.D., uh, Joshua Daniel, J.D. spits up on me all the time. Like, I mean, he's like almost three months now and stuff. So, I mean, it's normal. It's not like he was an old kid spitting up. That'd be awkward, you know. But he's, you know, just a little baby. And I'll hold him. And it's the funniest thing. Like, Bree will hold him the whole day. And he might, like, jibble a little bit on her. But there have been times where I, I pick him up. I come home from work. And I'm like, oh, my son, come here. I love you. And I pick him up. Ha, <laughs> And it's just like all down my shirt, you know? And so I was thinking about this. It's like, if we're in a dark room and my shirt has spit up all over it, you're not really going to see it very well, you know? But the closer that I get to the light, the more the stains and the dribble become evident. And so, you know, you, sometimes we think, but I've repented of my sins and turned to, to God. You know, I've been made perfect and forgiven by the blood of Jesus. What do I have to repent of? Guess what? The closer that you draw to the light the more evident and the more sin is revealed on the inside of us. We never graduate from repentance. And that's what Daniel did. He repented. But next chapter, because of his radical repentance, Daniel was positioned for a crazy radical encounter with God. Some um, Bible scholars believe that Daniel, um, the, the encounter that he had here was with the pre-virgin birth Jesus. I think that's way cool. Like pre-Mary Jesus. Old Testament Jesus showing up. Crazy. Daniel 10, starting in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King, uh, King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, how about you name your next kid that, <laughs> had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. And chapter 9 that we just read was part of that three weeks of mourning. At that time, I had eaten no rich foods, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, get this, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. 
I want you to get this. Catch this right here in verse 7. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face on the ground. The first point um, today, and we'll go through this quickly, don't worry. I like big introductions and short points. I don't know why. First point, Daniel came face to face with God. And you can follow along in your outline. This, this next sentence is here. Radical repentance set Daniel apart for a face-to-face encounter with God. You know, you saw it in verse 7. There were other guys there with Daniel. Daniel wasn't alone in his room, and then this person appeared to him. He was like chilling with the homies, and then he sees this, this amazing, incredible, terrifying vision from heaven, and all these other guys, they don't see it. They were not positioned for that encounter. They weren't ready, but Daniel was ready. Why was Daniel ready? Because he had just been in radical repentance. And if you don't believe me, Matthew 5, 8 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Daniel had spent an entire chapter, and in reality, three whole weeks, making his heart pure before God. How do you make your heart pure before God? Repentance. Repentance is the way that we get rid of the junk that comes into our hearts. Repentance is the way that when, you know, when you're feeling convicted about something, that's the response to the conviction. When God told me, Caleb, turn around, the appropriate repentant response would have been, yeah, God, you're actually God and I'm not, so I should listen to you. That's repentance. And when we repent and we live a lifestyle of radical repentance, our hearts are pure. And we're promised that if our hearts are pure, we will see God. But if that wasn't enough, if seeing God face to face wasn't enough, this radical encounter kept going. Daniel 10, verses 10 through 12. Just then, a hand touched me and lifted me. Can you say touched? Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself, repent, before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. Second point. So first point, he had a face-to-face encounter with God. Second point, Daniel was touched by God. It didn't say, just then a hand said to me, get up. A hand touched him, grabbed him, and lifted him up. Can you imagine God literally touching you and picking you up because you're trembling on the floor? That was a radical encounter. Because of Daniel's radical repentance, he didn't just see God. He was touched by God. If it wasn't enough to, be, to see God and to be touched by God, it keeps going. Daniel 10, 15 through 19. While he was speaking to me, I looked down to the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man, touched. Then the one who looked like a man, is it there? 
Uh, can we go to the next one, please? Hey, that, thank you. No wonder I was like, guys, come on, it's right there. And everyone's like, what's this dude saying? Okay. All right, let's try this again. Verse 16. Then the one who looked like a man, my lips. Excellent. And I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man, me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. The second touch, Daniel couldn't speak. One touch opened his mouth. The third touch, Daniel lost his strength, but a touch from God and his strength was returned. Do you need a breakthrough today in counter church? Maybe you need strength to persevere in a difficult situation. You just need a touch from God. Do you need chains of addiction to fall off of your life? You just need a touch from God. Do you want to get rid of a life of shame and condemnation from sin? Get a touch from God. Do you need, have a relationship that needs transformation? Get touched by God. Do you need a breakthrough? The answer is a touch. Daniel prayed. And the answer to his prayer came in a touch from God. Some of us here, I felt the Holy Spirit said this as I was preparing. Some of us here have been praying and waiting for God to do something. But if you today make the hard choice to live radically repentant, you would position yourself for a touch that would bring about a breakthrough. But as we're nearing the end here, why all this talk about, you know, a touch and living holy or having encounters with God? I mean, what's the point? I mean, God can use me as I am right now, right? Sure. He can. I mean, I could lie to you and tell you no, but that would be a lie, and that's a sin, and I'd have to <laughs> repent. <sighs> but God can use you right now. But like I said at the beginning, I don't believe that anyone that comes into like this Daniel encounter where he sees the living God, I can't imagine uh, would say, you know what, God, can you use me like sort of? Like, can you use me in my comfort zone, maybe on Sundays, and when I feel extra holy, I'll go on a Wednesday? Or like in my small group, when I go every other week, you know, because I'm busy and stuff, like, can you use me there? No, when we have a radical encounter with God, something in our heart shifts. But why all this talk about being touched and being used? Yeah, God can use you as you are right now. But my third point, Daniel was specially used by God. If you set yourself apart as holy, you live a life of radical repentance. Like Daniel, you position yourself for a life of special use by God. If you want to believe me, it's in 2 Timothy 2. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. In our, wor you know, in our words, it would be like having your really nice, like the actual ones you have to wash. Or, if, or do you want to be like an actual utensil, like fork or spork? If, do they have like, like metal sporks? Oh, sweet. I need to get some. But 
Do you want to be a metal spork that actually needs to be washed? Or do you want to be a plastic spork that breaks when you like try to put it in something and then it gets thrown away? That's what it's saying right here. Do you want to be a special utensil or do you want to be the, the kind of the whatever utensils that we use and we cast away and throw away? If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master, that's Jesus, to use you for every good work. And it says, I found it interesting because it says, if you keep yourself pure. See, you guys, this is, this is an opportunity today. Pastor Julian always likes to say this, and I'm going to steal it from him because he's right there and I can. You know, he says, opportunities don't always come knocking twice. And some of us believe, even young people I know believe, and I used to believe this, goodness, um, you know, that like, oh, well, I'll follow God when I'm older. I'll get around to that, you know, like I want to live my life a little bit right now and do it. But you don't know what is promised tomorrow. There is an opportunity in this moment for every one of us to say, you know what? I am done with nominal religion. I am done with useless, weak Christianity. But I want to be used by God. I want radical encounters. I want God to appear to me, to touch me, to change me. I want palpable encounters where you can, you can literally, like you can literally feel God. It doesn't have to be this ethereal thought. You can feel God. He promised it. But if you keep yourself pure. But if you don't want to keep yourself pure, then you will be wood or clay and, you know, a plastic spork. But I don't know about you in counter church, and I, I don't believe that any of you here today want to be a plastic spork. You know, I want to be gold or silver. I want to be used by God. And the way to keep yourself pure, it's not perfection. I want to say that again. The way to keep yourself pure is not perfection. Because some of us fall into that. I got saved by grace, but then I try to walk out my life of following Jesus in my own strength, striving for perfection. Guess what that's called? Religion. And guess what that accomplishes? Nothing. And guess where religion will take you? To hell. Jesus didn't die for religion. When he went to the cross for you and for me, when he went to that cross and he bled and he said, it is finished. He gave us access to a life that can raise the dead, that can heal the sick, that can cast out demons, that can change the world. Young person, you're made for more than just living a life, making money, maybe having a family and dying. There is more for your life. You can be used. You can change nations. Some of our silver saints, your best days are not behind you. They are still in front of you. You can be used by God. And it's not perfection. It's not striving for perfection. It's making a decision today. I'm going to live a lifestyle of radical repentance. I'm going to be like Daniel. When God brings things to your mind, says, hey, stop, stop talking like that. Instead of saying, yeah, you're right, God, I feel bad about that. But deciding, you know what, you're right, God. I'm going to start speaking life and not cursing. Blessing instead of death. Making a change. Drawing closer to God means turning away from my way. 
turning away from the world's way, turning away from other people's way every single day. It's a decision. And one of the things that I was telling um, my purple people in the equip class, and it, and it struck me. You know, guys, we talk about revival a lot, don't we? I mean, part of our, our mission, reach, disciple, revive. The, the youth ministry, by the way, shameless plug, we got cards in. If you know any young people, take some. They're in the back of the info bar. But you'll see written on this card on the very front is the vision of the youth group. Keeping young people entertained so that they stay in church. Keeping young people having fun so that they feel good. Carrying revival to a generation. And you know, we use that word a lot, guys. We talk about revival. We pray for revival. Pastor Deanna was prophesying about revival during worship. And don't get me wrong, I am all about some revival. But until we embrace the whole gospel, right now you have a decision. Maybe you have. Maybe you've embraced the whole gospel and you live a life of radical repentance. Well, today I would invite you to live that lifestyle deeper. Let your repentance go deeper in your heart. Let Draw nearer to the light so that the, the spit up can be revealed and God can deal with it in you. Or maybe you have never repented ever one time. And today God is inviting you. I want you to go beyond believing in me. But it's, it's time to come to the foot of the cross. Recognize what I did for you. And repent. Turn. And only when we embrace the whole gospel. Only when it becomes my gospel. When it goes from that church to my church. When it goes from your God to my God. Only then do we start living a life of personal revival. The messiest part of the gospel is repentance. And you know, like Daniel, I'm gonna repent on behalf of the church. Jesus died on the cross for you not to believe in him. He doesn't need our belief, he is God. Jesus died on the cross for you to repent to turn away so that you could come back into relationship with God. The Bible says that you can be a friend of God. Do you feel like a friend of God today? And when we embrace that message, and when we preach the whole gospel, then and only then can revival begin to happen. Counter church, this message has made me repent more than ever before. Every day, God's telling me, Caleb, stop. Why do you get like that? Why do you think like that? Why are you talking like that? Stop. He has invited me into a deeper repentance. But only those that are pure of heart will see God. And you know, today, we don't just only get to see God but he's inviting you to come to have an encounter with him. 
Do you have a breakthrough you need? Come and get an encounter and get touched by God. God wants to touch your life. He wants to touch your family. He wants to touch your mind, your heart. He wants to touch you and change you. And guys, our nation, our city, our schools, our families, they need us to be radically repentant. They need us to be radically repentant because when we're radically repentant, we are positioned to be specially used. Encounter Church, it's time for us to have another encounter with God. I'd invite you to stand to your feet as we go into a time of ministry. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.